0: Welcome to The Skin Reel, your guide to all things skincare, skin health, beauty, and more, curated by dermatologists and true skin experts. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Alice Mina. I'm a double board certified dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon with over a decade of clinical experience. If you're looking for real, practical, unhyped skincare guidance and expertise, or you just think the skin is really cool, then you're in the right spot. I'm so glad you've tuned in to The Skin Reel. Now let's dive in because this is how dermatologists talk skin. Hi everyone, quick disclaimer here before we start. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. If you're looking for help on your skin journey, please check out the American Academy of Dermatology's website, aad.org, where you can search their database for a dermatologist near you. It is so important that you have someone in your corner who's well-trained, licensed, and board-certified who can help you make decisions when it comes to your skin health. Okay, got it? Great. Now for the fun stuff. Hi everyone, thanks so much for joining me on this week's episode of The Skin Reel. This week, I am thrilled to have my good friend and colleague, Dr. Christopher Bunick, who is an associate professor of dermatology at Yale, here to discuss a really hot topic that I know a lot of you have some questions on, and that is the recent reports of benzene contamination in our skincare and sunscreen products. Most recently, actually, just this week, another report came out about benzene contaminations in dry shampoos. So, we are going to definitely pick Dr. Bunick's brain on all things benzene and get his thoughts to help us separate what is fact from fiction. Dr. Bunick received his Bachelor's of Science degree at Vanderbilt University, followed by his MD and PhD degrees here as well. And he then went on to Yale for his medical internship followed by dermatology residency and a dermatology research fellowship. Dr. Bunick is a true physician scientist. When he is not performing groundbreaking research in his laboratory at Yale, he can be found seeing complex medical dermatology patients as well. I'm so glad to have him here today to help us on this really interesting and hot topic of benzenes in our skincare products. Let's dive in. Dr. Bunick, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Dr. Mina, thank you for having me on your show. It's a real pleasure to be here.
0: So I've introduced my listeners to you all briefly in the introduction, but I would love for them to hear a little bit about uh, you in your own words.
1: Yeah, so I'm a physician scientist and dermatologist at Yale University, and my background in the science area is biochemistry and structural biology, and so I'm very focused On understanding the skin barrier and how molecules in the skin have a very important role in overall skin health. And that sort of relates to the whole concept of benzene that we're going to talk about today. When I'm not doing science, I'm in the clinic taking care of patients. And so I've heard it on both ends in the lab what's benzene doing? And I've heard it in the clinic what sunscreens do I use? Are these products safe if they have benzene in them? And I think that those are the questions we're going to try to dive deeply into today.
0: I'm so thrilled to have you here talking with me and for our listeners on this topic, because you see it from both perspectives as both a scientist studying molecules and things like this, and also as a clinician when you see patients coming to you asking you, what should I be doing and what's safe? And it's quite confusing, and it's even confusing to us dermatologist. Let's just kind of start at the beginning. So, when did all this buzz about benzene in our sunscreen and skincare products? When did all this come about?
1: So, about a year and a half ago, uh, there was a company that is based out of New Haven, Connecticut, called Valisure, and Valisure was investigating on their own sunscreens and after sun care products, looking for the presence of contaminants, and ben- benzene happened to be. What they found and they reached out to me because my yale profile showed that i was very interested in the skin barrier including sunscreens and how sunscreens work and so they reached out to me and asked for some evaluation of the data that they were finding and to review the fda citizen petition that they were going to submit to the food and drug administration and i reviewed that and found the science and discovery quite interesting and then they filed their FDA citizen petition. And next thing you know, you know, my name was quoted in the petition for a number of quotes as well as the review. And then from there, I've sort of been having some opportunities to talk about this and explain what's been going on uh, with benzene and SunCare products. So it started about a year and a half ago. At that time, the internet sort of did blow up, as you mentioned, with uh, SunCare after-sun care products and sunscreens having the high levels of benzene. And the reason this is important, or the reason it was flashy and caught attention, was because benzene is a well-known carcinogen, which means a cancer-causing chemical. Benzene itself is well-known to be used in the uh, pharma industry, other industries. It's a known contaminant in the petroleum industry in general. Uh, And in fact, it was petroleum workers that exposed to benzene that led to the initial discovery of a link to leukemia. But the the blood toxicity of benzene was actually first described in 1897. So it's well over 100 years that benzene as a toxic agent has been known. And then for a lot of the environmentalists, Benzene's even thought to be toxic to marine life. And so that is a very important thing, too, because it's not just humans, but it's all the other creatures that we share the planet with that also seem to be harmed by benzene. But benzene itself, though, can be found in oil, gas, petroleum-based products. And for that reason, humans can be exposed to it on a daily basis. But one of the biggest arguments that I've heard for people thinking, well, it's only a small amount of benzene and all these different products. They say, oh, well, we're exposed to benzene all the time. Therefore, these small amounts in these products don't matter. But but that's actually not true. And, and we can dive into some of the numbers. But the truth is that in the sunscreens and hand sanitizers and the antiperspirants, it's actually 20 to 60,000 fold higher parts per million benzene than what's found in just the ambient air. We're not just walking around breathing in benzene at super high levels all the time. Well, what's in these products is actually pretty significant compared to just the regular ambient benzene in the air. What was really fascinating is that there was a study back in 2003 that showed that the levels of benzene around. to 1.6 parts per million were strongly related to leukemia risk. When Valisher filed that FDA citizen petition, I believe around May of last year, 2021, some of the sunscreens that they were identifying with benzene had levels between two and six parts per million, higher than what has been shown in the science to actually lead to elevated leukemia risk. And I think that that's part of the reason that this is a really important discussion because the levels that are being found are higher than what's been shown in the scientific studies to actually lead to an elevation in leukemia risk. And so I don't think that this issue can be swept under the rug. I think the best way to address the issue is to actually talk about it and let's learn more facts about these levels of benzene. After the initial sunscreen revelation around benzene, Johnson & Johnson did their own internal evaluation and recalled a number of their products for high levels of benzene. They, they did not reveal initially the parts per million that was found in their own internal investigation, but through a Freedom of Information Act request, that information was obtained, and it turns out that some of the levels of benzene that they were finding in their own internal analysis reached upwards of 19 to 20 parts per million, which is actually much higher than what Valisher found. And so when we think about the amount of benzene in some of these products, these companies in their own internal in, in, own internal investigations are finding sometimes higher levels than what some of these public companies like Valisher are reporting. And I think it's very important that companies transparently share, well, what levels are you finding and, and, and honestly share what those levels are Because hiding behind a statement that simply says, well, we found no adverse events, we found no impact on anyone's life, the levels were low, and we don't think it's a health threat, almost all of the recalls have that general language. And I just don't think we're at a point, publicly or scientifically, to be making general statements like that. Let's look at the data. Let's see what the numbers are. Let's correlate it with the science that's known. And then let's actually do a good thing for the consumers and get the products that have the high levels off the market until studies can definitively determine what the real risk is of being exposed to this benzene through these products.
0: How did the benzene even get in these products? Is benzene a normal component of skincare products?
1: No, it is not. This is a very important question because a lot of patients will come up to dermatologists and say, doctor, how do I know if the benzene is in there? Can I read it on the label? Benzene is not listed as an ingredient on any label because it's not an ingredient in any product. It is a contaminant and it gets into these products through the supply chain. And there's many different steps in the supply chain and manufacturing of a complex product, whether it's a sunscreen, an antiperspirant, an antifungal, or whether it's these new dry aerosolized shampoos that were just recalled, or even hand sanitizers, which had a recall during the pandemic. All of these things have very complex manufacturing processes, and the supply chain of some of the components in the manufacturing is where we believe the contamination is occurring. A lot of those steps in the supply chain are outsourced overseas. And so how do you control or regulate for it? And I think that's one of the biggest challenges that the FDA and industries are facing. But ultimately, the bottom line, Dr. Mina, is that the benzene should not be in any of these products. It's not an ingredient and it's not on the label, meaning that the consumers have no way of knowing what they're putting on their skin.
0: Do you know what companies or the FDA are doing to identify this? source for the benzene contamination? Have they been able to narrow it down to a certain factory or step in the process?
1: So the bottom line is that I don't think any of the immediate suppliers that are leading to the contamination have been publicly identified. In the most recent recall uh, in the last couple of days of the dry aerosolized shampoos by Unilever, they make a statement in their public disclosure, that they have identified a potential source in their supply chain and they are working on fixing it. And that is the general statement that occurs, but there's no actual clarity. Who is the supply chain? Who is the the entity within that supply chain that is providing the materials that are contaminated with benzene? And what step in the manufacturing process is it occurring at? I think these are really important facts that need to be released publicly so that other companies can understand where the problem is coming from. How do you fix this problem if you never reveal what's really happening? And I think that this is one of the biggest controversies or uh, knowledge gaps in this space right now.
0: I remember reading products that were contaminated with benzene tended to be aerosolized products. So spray sunscreens and spray products, spray deodorants, Things like that. And, and now finding this new study showing that, you know, dry shampoo had contamination with benzene, you know, is this a problem just with aerosolized products, or is this a problem more broad?
1: Well, the short answer is this is a broader problem than just aerosols. If we look just at the sunscreen data, what Valisher found. Was that yes? There were some aerosolized sunscreens and after sun care products that had a benzene contamination, but there were also other types of formulations of sunscreen. There were creams and lotions as well that had the contamination. So the most number one fact here is that it's not just aerosols other formulations can also be contaminated with specifically with regard to sunscreens it's not just chemical sunscreens it's also some of the mineral-based sunscreens zinc and titanium did also have contamination so it's not a chemical versus physical blocker sunscreen issue it's true contamination and it's not just aerosolization that's a problem that being said Over the past year with the antiperspirants, with the antifungals, and now with the dry aerosolized shampoos, what we're finding is certainly the aerosols tend to be or are emerging as one of the major subsets of products that has this problem. And part of that, at least the hypothesis, is that the benzene might be getting in as a contaminant in the propellant used to generate these aerosols.
0: In the past, I remember, you know, when this all broke again last year, there was a website that people could go to and they could look up whether the sunscreen or the product that they were using had been identified as contaminated with benzene. Is there a website or a place that patients or customers can go to look up to see if what they're using has been recalled or contaminated?
1: Well, specifically with the dry aerosolized shampoos, the company Unilever has set up a link to a website where it lists all the product numbers, I believe, or all the identifying information for the products that were recalled. So for the dry aerosolized shampoos, patients or consumers that are concerned should go to the Unilever press release or website website where it'll have a link to all of the products so that they can check their own hair care products. Because I believe that there is a a recall, meaning a process for them to collect back that and to reimburse people for that. With regard to the sunscreens and after sun care products, I actually just checked this today. If you go to the Valisher website, and you look up their fda citizen petition they do have links to all of the different information for the benzene contamination in sunscreens and after sun care products in particular they have what is called it used to be called appendix a but now it's called attachment a on their website and this attachment A has a list of all the sunscreens and after sun care products that they found that were not contaminated with benzene. And so I often will refer my own patients to this. I'll say, please go to the Valisher website and look for attachment A. And it'll have a list of products that have been deemed benzene-free and maybe choose from there. If you're concerned about the products you're using, if you're concerned that you may be at risk from benzene exposure, then I think that going to this list and using these products is one way that you can try to reduce unwanted exposure to to benzene in, in your healthcare products.
0: Yeah, I will definitely link those two websites that you mentioned in the show notes so that our listeners can go and do their own research on the products that they're using as well. And I'm a a big proponent, of course, of sunscreen, but also of dry shampoo. So Dr. Bunick, I'm definitely going to have to go log on to make sure that mine is safe. And I sure hope it is. Have there been any reports of adverse effects from benzene in these products?
1: Uh, This is one of the biggest controversial points. So the people that say that the benzene in these products doesn't do anything health-wise, will point to the fact that people probably are not reporting you know, headache, dizziness, chest pain, shortness of breath, nausea, any type of effect from this exposure. But the question is, is that really what's important? Meaning that benzene and, and is a carcinogen. And so if it affects the DNA of cells, the effect on blood leukemias, blood cancers, and other potential cancers, the effect may not be seen for years. Just like as a dermatologist, we know that when we go out in the sun and we get a bad sunburn, we don't wake up in 12, 24 hours with skin cancer. There's a time delay between the mutagenic effect of the UV rays and the time in which a skin cancer develops. So if benzene is doing the same thing, you may not recognize. That the benzene exposure you're getting today 10 or 20 years down the road is playing a role in your blood cancer or other health effects this is the biggest knowledge gap in the whole benzene space what is the link between exposure now and the health risks down far in the future because a lot of companies and a lot of dermatologists and other healthcare providers are using the short term saying well there's no side effects that i see in the short term to say that it doesn't matter but we as dermatologists know that if you get that sunburn that really bad sunburn it does matter it just may not manifest now but 30 years from now you may have a melanoma a basal cell a squamous cell and so i think it's very important for everyone in the healthcare industry in the pharmaceutical industry in the product industry to take a deep breath and say Maybe there's not a direct causal link between the benzene and cancer or other health effects, but the reality is we don't know yet because we haven't actually asked the questions and looked in a long-term study. And that's where I think A lot of our really good epidemiologists and scientists need to put their heads together and come up with a way of asking the question long term, what are the health ramifications of the benzene exposure in these products? Now, another argument that I often heard was, well, it's just it's sunscreen. You're putting it on a few times and that's it. But it's not just sunscreen, right? It's the sunscreen. It's the after sun care products. It's the hand sanitizers. It's now the dry shampoos. It's the antifungals. It's the antiperspirants. And I'll go ahead and ask the question. I posed this question a year ago in Bloomberg News. Well, what about all the other products we're using? Have they been tested? Are we sure that makeups and other cosmetics are safe? To my knowledge, not everything that we used has been tested. So all of these products that we're using, if they all have a level of benzene or if we're using a certain combination of products and we're getting heightened benzene exposure, not just from one product, but three or four different products that we're using, what about that risk? And I'm not sure that anyone's paused to consider, wow, maybe these products that don't need benzene to function because they're not an active ingredient, they're not any ingredient maybe there's something to this and maybe we really should push for quality control and stronger restrictions from the FDA. Because in the end, the whole point of of human life is we want to enjoy life, we want to live a long, healthy life, and we want to enjoy what our planet has to offer. Let's actually try to take care of of the patients, the consumers, and by putting out benzene-free products, which we know it can be done. It's just a matter of wanting to do it and correcting the supply chain and manufacturing problems.
0: As a consumer, I can imagine some of our listeners probably feel like they're sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place. What do we do? We know the sun and UV radiation causes a multitude of problems with our skin. And as dermatologists, we're huge proponents of sunscreen. And this information about benzene definitely doesn't dissuade me from recommending sunscreen to my patients. But I can also imagine that people listening are are potentially scared to be using sunscreens and, and nervous about what they're putting on their skin. So again, I think using those links in the show notes to go to the Valisher and the Unilever uh, websites can be helpful. And maybe reassure you that what you're using is safe or at least has not been shown to have benzene contamination. Have they ever done any studies looking at benzene levels in in blood of of consumers or patients?
1: To my knowledge, direct tests looking at benzene in blood have not been done. There was a interesting study by the FDA. So this was actually conducted by investigators, I believe at the National Institutes of Health, but there was a couple papers that were published in JAMA uh, around 2019, 2020, where they were looking at sunscreen ingredients. And they found that sunscreen ingredients were absorbed into blood. And they had really, really strict criteria and a well-designed study to show that many of these chemical-based ingredients and in chemical sunscreens were actually absorbed and they had plasma concentrations that surpassed the FDA threshold for waiving safety studies. So a lot of sunscreens to date have been waived from doing additional safety studies. Actually, these sunscreens had high enough plasma concentrations of these chemical ingredients to actually trigger the FDA-mandated safety studies for sunscreen. Now, how does that correlate to benzene? So actually, there was a paper that was published in the Journal of American Academy of Dermatology looking at a retrospective analysis of a database where there was some benzene measurements. And they concluded that the benzene is not absorbed into the blood based on their own analysis. But it's my personal opinion, after reviewing this manuscript incredibly carefully, that there are major limitations and that this study may never have been able to get to the right answer because there were many, many limitations. For example, the database that they did this study on and this, the title of the study was sunscreen use is not associated with increased blood concentrations of benzene among adults in the United States. Uh, it was a data from a national health and nutrition exam survey from 2003 to 2006 and 2009 to 2000. 18 published in Journal of American Academy of Dermatology in August of 2022. But the point of this paper is that the limitations are so massive that I'm not sure that the conclusion that they reach is even valid. And so, for example, the database, there is no information on the last application of sunscreen. There was no information on the total daily, daily sunscreen use. There was no timing or known timing of blood draws relative to sunscreen use. And there there was no urine benzene levels. The data set included years that may not even be appropriate with changes in supply chains. That's just a small, small proportion of the problems that were in this study. And it's my personal opinion that the rigor of the study that was published in JAMA looking at The chemical sunscreen ingredients and how they got absorbed into the blood, that is the type of rigorous analysis that's needed to determine if benzene gets absorbed. And it's my personal opinion based on the science that if the chemical ingredients of sunscreen can get absorbed into the blood at a high enough concentration to trigger FDA safety studies, then almost certainly benzene itself will also do it. It's just that you have to have the properly designed studies. And to my knowledge, Dr. Mina, a properly designed study to ask this question has not been done, but I am aware of people that are trying to do it. So I'm hoping that our next podcast, whenever that is, that we'll be able to have discussion about what the real findings are about benzene blood absorption. But it's my personal opinion that yes, it will get absorbed just like the chemical sunscreens In that study, and just that JAMA study, let me just say the title, it was the effect of sunscreen application on plasma concentration of sunscreen active ingredients, a randomized clinical trial. And the lead author or the senior author was David Strauss. I think that this is a landmark publication of how to design studies to look at chemical absorption through the skin and skincare products and how it ends up in the blood. And this is what we need for benzene.
0: Well, it sounds like, Dr. Bunick, you have a great research project that you could get Yale Dermatology on board looking at those plasma levels of benzene. Yeah, I agree. It'd be really
1: great uh, if we have some industry or people that would like to come out and, and fund such a study. Uh, we're welcome to, to receive that and, and to do the studies.
0: Say I'm a patient, I come to your office. You know, What advice are you giving your patients when they ask, should I be using sunscreen? Should I be using these moisturizers? What advice do you give your patients?
1: What I tell my patients first and foremost is that right now, at least with regard to sunscreens, don't stop using sunscreens. It's very, We know that sun exposure link, is linked to skin cancer. No one's asking you to stop using sunscreens. We want sun protection, hats, clothing, and sunscreen. But if you're going to use sunscreen, pick sunscreen that's not contaminated with benzene, or at least hasn't been shown to be through the Valisher website. Go to the Valisher website, go to attachment A, pick a sunscreen from the list that had no benzene. That's what I tell my patients. Now, with these other products, again, a lot of the other products, the the antifungals, the antiperspirants, and now the dry shampoos, tend to be aerosolized products. So, what I am advising my patients, As of right now, try not to use aerosolized products, that there seems to be a, a larger problem among the aerosolized products with benzene contamination. And until there is a transparent and honest understanding of how the benzene contamination is occurring and clear and transparent communication to the consumers that the problem has been fixed I'm advising them to try to stay away from aerosolized products. And unfortunately, Dr. Amina, I don't think that this is the last of the benzene story. If I had to predict, I am betting that there will be another product category in the next six to 12 months that gets recalled for the same problem. I don't think that this is the end.
0: You may be very right. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on to continue this uh, really interesting discussion. And so glad to have you on to help educate our listeners about this. And we look forward to seeing where these studies and where these companies find and and hopefully they are doing their due diligence to identify this uh, contamination source. Dr. Bunick, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. And uh, you've definitely given me a lot of food for thought. And I certainly am after this podcast episode gonna go log on to those websites and investigate some of the products I'm using.
1: Yeah, Dr. Mina, I'm I'm betting 50% chance that one of your dry air slice shampoos has <laughs> benzene contamination.
0: I may be willing to take that risk. I don't know if I can give that up just yet. We'll see. (laughs) All right, well, Dr. Bunick, thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next week on The Skin Reel. Thank you so much for listening to The Skin Reel. I hope it's been informative, educational, and perhaps a little entertaining. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe and share with a friend. Don't wanna stop your learning just yet, Head on over to theskinreel.com for show notes, blog posts, and so much more. Until next time, skin friends.